Have we got a show for you today? There's a lot to talk about, so we're just going to get started with all of this. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore Soccer Cast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this journey of craziness we've got going on today. We we thought last week was was crazy with uh, the surprise announcement of one Chris Weehan heading off to New Mexico, but less than a week later, we have even more interesting stuff to discuss, and, and we're going to try and do it for you tonight. we got games to talk about. We're just going to get started with this. Let me welcome in everyone that we have on here. We have the man from Caroline Coalition himself, Dylan. Dylan, how are we doing? How are we feeling today, Dylan? Well, I haven't had a drink in a few hours, so pretty good. Um, but yeah, I won't waste any more time. We got so much to cover, so much to cover. So that I'll just let it let it go. So much to cover, and yeah, let it go like uh, that one princess sings about. Um, also down south in San Diego, he's probably a little sad and a little heartbroken after the match this past weekend, which we will talk about. And that is Alan in San Diego. Alan, how are we doing, man? Good. Uh, actually, I was pleasantly uh, not super pissed off after Saturday. And I'll give you some insights into why a little bit later. Uh, that's called uh, a cliffhanger. So, yeah. Super pleasantly not pissed off. That's a, a mouthful there. Um, and there we go. And also the man up in Reno who uh, likes to jump on the Orange County Soccer Club uh train this season and lo and behold it's the craziest season yet uh that's brad up in reno brad how you doing i'm doing quite well um unfortunately the smoke up here is only double as worse because now we have the calder fire in addition to the dixie fire um so i've been wearing a n95 mask for about seven hours a day since i work outside that's fun uh and alan i believe the word you were looking for is foreshadowing uh, not whatever you said. He said cliffhanger. Yeah. It's like that. Like, it's that, that, that we're, one we're, game on the game show price is right. The yoda lady, yoda lady, yoda lady. <laughs> and then it falls off the cliff and the person loses the price because of it. Yeah. You Did should we just have to wait a week. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was a good enough rendition of the sound effects from that game that I, I doubt anyone will catch. But we're not here to talk strictly about prices, right? And a game called Cliffhanger. We're here to talk about some crazy news. Again, I mentioned last week we thought that was going to be the craziest, like breaking story we would talk about probably all year with the surprise announcement of Chris Rehan heading over or back to New Mexico in what was reported as a record transfer for USL to USL. Uh, but less than a week later, uh, we have the big news that dropped. Uh, was it on 
the Monday after, or no, the Thursday after the match or whenever it was, it was last Thursday uh, when the club announced that the club and coach, coach Braden Cloutier have parted ways, or I believe they said that the wording was relieved him of his duties. And uh, I know there's a lot of question, like, what does that actually mean? I think that's just sort of a generic sports term uh, when you're just firing the coach, but you don't want to say we fired our coach. Uh, there's different ways uh, you can say it. And I think anyone that follows professional sports knows that, but let's talk about this. Uh, this was, I think a shock to each and every one of us on the stream, uh, probably each and every fan that is, that follows the league. I, I think I, I'm, this is a league wide thing that people were shocked. I mean, we have fans in Phoenix that were like, how do they get rid of coach Braden Cloutier? And, and we know how Phoenix fans think of us. I'm going to go straight to you, Dylan, because you are the man that it's like, you know, tied in with this club the most as, as a member of Caroline coalition, you've been a fan longer than any of us of orange County. Uh, what were your thoughts and, and be as nice as you can about some of this. Don't, don't go crazy and watch your language, of course. But what were your thoughts of, of the surprise announcement of coach Braden Cloutier being relieved of his duties? Well, I might be the longest standing Orange County fan on this podcast, but um, Braden Cloutier has been a member of the staff for a few more years than I've been around. So uh, this was just a weird surprise to me. Um, it just, it feels, well, it still feels like a terrible idea. Um, it's, it feels really poor to just fire a manager and not have a backup plan um, when you're, in fourth place, two points out of second. And, and here we are at, after the weekend and we're already back up there and in a good spot. And it's not like the system changed in his absence. I, I don't know, chop and change never works when you have money. This is just rehashing stuff I've said on Twitter in the last week that I know is not super popular, but it doesn't work when you're, um, you know, Tottenham and you let go of what's his face who's at PSG now and you get in, um, the king of the low block and and nothing happens right you 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 pay him 15 mil a year and nothing happens um it, it doesn't really work at the lower level either when the the margins are much thinner um but oh well um it sucks i hope brayden is enjoying a nice long vacation at the moment um and i i mean it's nothing against richard chaplow um he's been around for just about as long as i've been around the club um and we'll still get behind the players and we'll still get behind him because you know we still want to see the team do well and uh yeah it's i mean it's kind of up to him to see if he really wants this job at the end of the year it seems like so let's um let's talk about this because I, I i know dylan I, I think you and i are polar opposites on this announcement i i felt like it was a good decision based on the way the team has performed in past seasons and it was sort of a repeat of what we were looking at in past seasons where we were heading into. And then the match against Tacoma was sort of the, the tipping point for what the club needed to do with making a change. Um, so orange County in 2018, we all know orange County was one win away from making it to the USL cup final. Uh, they lose to Phoenix at championship soccer stadium. The following season, they go in with these great expectations that they can, uh, potentially win the championship or challenge for the championship and they fall short. I believe what was it? They were fifth seed in the playoffs had to travel to salt Lake city. We all remember you can hear Dylan 
at the stadium on that stream because he made that trip. And let's just say that season was a disappointment for the team. It's probably the, the finish, where they finished the regular season and the easily getting knocked out of the playoffs probably is not what you're expecting, especially heading into that season. Now, with all that said, I know rosters change, injuries, all this fun stuff, but in the end, the coach has to do with what they're given and and perform well. You, you go back to the, you go to the next season. I know COVID was crazy and it totally just disrupted everything. But again, heading into that season, Orange County has championship aspirations and they fail to make the playoffs. And then this season, again, championship aspirations or at least competing for the championship and hit a very bad run in the middle part of the season, which we all know. We all knew this was coming with the crazy congested schedule. But again, this is something uh, you you look at in professional professional sports is it's easier to make a change at the coaching position than to change your entire roster uh, to maybe change things out. Right. And sure. I think you're looking at the patterns is each of those seasons that we've, that I was mentioning orange County got off to decent starts and sort of fizzled towards the end, I believe uh, maybe making a little run towards the playoffs to get better position or, or change things. But it, the, the two, tale of two halves on these seasons was crazy. And it was looking like another one of those seasons. And, and no matter how good of a coach you are at some points, you have to make a change to do something. And I can go back to my fandom of the LA Clippers. Doc Rivers is an amazing coach. I think a lot of people love, think he's a great basketball mind. But after so many failures to get past a certain level of the playoffs, the club has to say goodbye. And who do they bring in as the replacement? But his assistant coach, who now leads them one step further in the playoffs and has the greatest season ever in, in club history. So it's not a bad thing to just go from the head coach and just basically bring on the assistant coach. Now, midseason is a little weird. It's difficult, but I will say, and I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to go to Allen and Brad. That Tacoma match, the second half, the team was lifeless. Uh, the team looked like they didn't care anymore. And who knows, maybe it was something that Coach Braden Cloutier said in the locker room at that time, um, shut them down. But at that point, you're seeing a team that has no more heart, doesn't seem to want to give it their all at that point. You have to make a change. It, it, you can't go the rest of the season with that atmosphere and that sort of negativity in the locker room. So that's what I was thinking on there. Alan, as a San Diego first fan, but you've followed Orange County for a while, and and we all have talked, uh, spoken with Coach Braden Clutes here, and we have a good relationship with him um, as far as the uh, you know media coach relationship. What are your thoughts on the move? And were you as frustrated as say Dylan, or are you more on Team Ray when it comes to the thought process of this? <laughs> I think I'm kind of gonna split the middle, like I like to do. The um, easy way out. Uh, I think. There are reasons why you might need a change in culture on your team. I just thought the timing of it was peculiar. You have a, I mean, yes, Richard Chaplow understands the team, understands the system under like, he's not a bring, you're not bringing in a new guy, but if your concern is changing the culture, you're giving him like 48 hours uh, to try and make some change before a big game in San Diego. Now, obviously hindsight's 50, 50, um, but I, and I know we're going to talk about these two games. Um, I'm not sure you're necessarily as an orange County fan, necessarily happy with the type of play on Saturday. You're happy with the result. Um, I just think it was peculiar to do it when you did it. Um, and I agree with Dylan without some sort of like, all right, we're just going to hand it over, um, to Chaplow. Um, Usually you make coaching changes in the middle of the year when you have someone lined up that you know you're going to bring them in. 
Like if they're like, hey, we you know we got rid of uh, Cloutier, uh, but we brought in Hackworth from Louisville. I think fans can get behind that move. Um, but I, I think it was just kind of a peculiar timing. Um, and it's not like, I mean, Orange County's had their issues, but they're still the best road team in the Pacific Division. Like there's things that are positive uh, about the team right now. Um, yes, they're not great at home, but they're fantastic on the road. Um, I think they're like almost two points per game on the road, which is phenomenal. Uh, so it just felt weird to me. It felt kind of uh, like maybe a knee jerk. doesn't feel like this was like a decision that had been milled over for several weeks. This felt like kind of we got to do something now. Uh, and I'm not always sure that's the best thing to do when you have so many moving pieces. But I can understand why some people were like, all right, let's change it up. Let's get some new direction. Let's like reinvigorate the team because it seemed like it worked for one game. But we'll see, you know, when you go to Charleston, you play El Paso Locomotive in the next two matches. Uh, that's really where the uh, the results are going to have to show that this is the right move going forward. So I'm going to bring it over to you, Brad, as like the newest fan, the newest member of our team. You've had the least time to sort of watch Braden Cloutier in action as a fan or as a follower of this club. I know you've seen him a lot with your fandom in Reno and watching Orange County from afar. What thoughts did you have when you heard this news and did you agree with the move or are you a little frustrated with the way it all unfolded? So um, I thought Mike Watts kind of said it really well that he didn't really see it coming either. Um, For me, I understand why the move was made. Uh, I don't have that same passion and understanding or personal connection like Dylan might have with uh, Cloutier. But honestly, it, it, it doesn't surprise me, but the writing wasn't on the wall. You know, what surprised me the most was the timing. Uh, I would have expected, you know, towards the end of the season or after this tough road stretch, if the form continues and we dip out of playoffs, because this team was still four points, you know, clear of being in playoffs at the time that uh, he was let go with the team. You know, as soon as it dips below that line, I thought would have been where we would have started talking about it. Um, but you know, this was something that the conversation hadn't even started, at least between us and in, you know, when we talk on stream outside of the stream. So it's interesting to see. Uh, and I do agree with Alan here. Uh, usually when you make a move in the middle of a season, you kind of have a, a plan already in place of who to go to, uh, unless the message is we really trust the guy behind him. And they didn't really have that message with, uh, with uh Richard Chaplow. They kind of just said he's going to take over. Uh he will begin this Saturday. You know, it wasn't a we we believe he can do the best job, you know, that he's going to do a good job. It's just oh, he takes over and we relieved uh Braden of his responsibilities. So that's I guess, you know, as a fan watching, I don't know how confident I can be moving forward. Um, you know, with the decision based on what the team is saying. Obviously, a good result against against a tough opponent on the road uh, is great. Uh, it's just one of those we'll wait and see type things. So let me 
just mention here, and I apologize if we're having any technical difficulties. I'm I'm getting sort of some alert on my system that there may be some stream issues. So if you're having that, I apologize. Uh, you definitely can look forward to the podcast version if you miss anything that we're talking about here. You know, one of our great guests on our show that we've had on multiple years, Alicia Rodriguez, who covers not only Orange County, but most of the soccer teams uh, in California for SB Nation. You know, we she was at that last match, the Tacoma match. And afterwards, the next day when this announcement was made, I, I sort of started talking with her, asking her a different question, but then it got to talk about, did we see this coming? And again, it was it, it was the the thought of the locker room maybe being lost at, at that point, the uh, lack of heart from the players that second half against Tacoma. I'm not going to say, it, you know, that this is what she said. I just, I'm trying to remember our conversation that we had. And it was sort of that, let's see what happens next. Uh, I don't want to put words into her mouth, but also just, uh, you know, speaking with people at the club, I, I know they made their statement. Uh, you know, I was trying to figure out, is this, was this sort of a one-off decision based off of the Tacoma match? And I feel like from what I got, just sort of speaking to some people is this wasn't just based off the Tacoma match. It was based off of, uh, you know, a run of matches, which sort of, again, leads me back to what I was discussing with uh, a, a bad run of form for a third season in a row. You, you got to make a change at the time. Now, let me go, go, Dylan, go ahead. Three seasons. I mean, we have to remember that like this team was not good in 2017. 2018 was a remarkable overperformance. Um, and if yes. you ask the coaching staff, they would admit that. If you ask Oliver in 2018, he would say the same thing. I think even James, all the way at the top, and would do so. In 2019, I mean, we were hot going into the playoffs. And then um, I won't name the particular player who decided to take a nap for an hour because said player might join us at some point soon. Um but, you know, you let four go by, and at that point, you got to dig yourselves out of a hole, and it wasn't going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, last year was was not great, but we're, we weren't bad. I mean, fourth place in 10 points out of the situation, Sacramento stuck with Mark Briggs, and they looked poor. I almost said a word that would not be allowed in the podcast, but uh, very, very poor for 11 games at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And... Well, they made it work. They stuck with them, and and now they're kind of hanging with it. I mean, we were two points away from being right back in it, and we immediately are. And honestly, I don't think it's Cloutier's fault. Um, he's not the one at the back post ten weeks in a row, and I'm sure that's something they worked on because everyone in the stadium could see that was a problem. I don't know how much of a so- culture change it is when it's the assistant coach who was formerly the club captain under the now fired manager. It just why not give him until the end of the year and then say you're going to go separate directions if he doesn't sort it out? You know, I'll, I'll answer that for you really quick, Dylan. It's been now, this is the third season and it's been, to, well, the third season of poor play and we've given it that opportunity two seasons in a row. It didn't uh, quite get to where you want it to be at the end of the season. Again, doing it again this year and we're getting to this point. So I feel you, I get it because Coach Brayden Cloutier is probably can go down as the best coach in club history when you look at just the performance and the growth of the, the squad. Dylan's like looking, trying to think if there's anyone else that he would put better there. I mean, he lasted the longest. Um, but I don't know. Some Maybe uh, someone 
who was around before me can chime in, but I, I do think um, short of Oliver himself as the head coach, it would probably have to go down to Braden as the league has gotten a lot better uh, in that time. But it's, you know, we, we also have to remember, like we got rid or we didn't or were unable to re-sign one of the league's best players in Aiden Quinn. And we've had this like rotating carousel of people to try and fill that role um, and try and work around needing to fill that role because I don't think it can be done and it didn't work out um ultimately at some point you sign like 10 midfielders but you really just need like another center back this team's was not bad for playing a center back as a left back for the longest time and being forced to play an 18 year old every week at center back you may do and that's what this club needs to do is just make do with what you have and, and I can't remember which of you brought up the whole, like we were, I, I know Dylan, you mentioned just here, but one of uh, Brad and or Alan also mentioned, like we were still battling for second place, but you got to look at the the bigger picture, right? Is, and no offense to Alan or any other San Diego fan, but San Diego isn't playing their best soccer right now. Uh, you know, there's Sacramento is definitely not probably playing their best soccer. Uh, you know, now the only one that out of the, the, the teams we're battling for maybe is Tacoma. But that's because Tacoma sort of playing above where you probably pictured them being coming into the season. So you can't say, well, Orange County's in second place or they're battling for second place as a good thing because all those teams that are battling for second place right now outside of maybe Tacoma is struggling. They're struggling on the pitch with the results. So just because you're one of the best out of a mediocre batch of teams doesn't say well, then let's continue with our mediocre play and hopefully it changes where, again, we've seen this repeated multiple seasons where you have uh, the same coach in place and they fail to achieve what were, or at least come close to what were the expectations uh, for the end result for a season. And again, I get it. Uh, he was dealing with a lot of injuries. We've talked about it multiple times on here and on our own chats off the air about the lack of defense and having, you know, someone like a Michael Orozco covering the back post, which is not natural for him as a center back. He's more used to covering the middle portion of the, the, the goal and not that back post on crosses. Uh, you know, again, I, I look at it as you look at any major sports, regardless of the composition of the roster injuries that happen after multiple years of failing to reach the expectations it's the coach that that suffers and it, it i'm not gonna ever say that coach Bra Braden Cloutier was a poor coach he was a great coach but at the end you have to figure what can we do to make a change and the easiest change you can make when you're a sports team is changing that that head coach to try and at least boost the team for the remainder of the season and then maybe in the offseason you look for a better option if there is a better one. But we've seen again in other sports where that, that assistant coach actually can be more successful than the the original coach. Uh, I'll go to you, Brad, because you raised your finger to say something. Yeah, no, uh, Andy in the comments just said, you know, that one to two losses against San Diego uh, kind of unraveled the team confidence. Uh, since that game on July 14th, uh, Orange County had lost five games. 1-1 against the uh, bottom feeder of the West, Oakland, and uh, had two draws, uh, both of them giving up goals in the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game or last couple plays of the game. So that type of form does, does definitely, you know, have a, a negative outlook on your coach, you know. 
12, 12 drop points and usually in last minute goals. Uh, it's tough to watch. And some of those teams we should have been beating like Vegas, like uh, Galaxy 2, even though they seem to play better when they're against Orange County. Uh, just stuff like that uh, really does justify, you know, such drastic measures. As I said before, I still don't think the trigger needed to be pulled so quickly. Um, but I do understand the uh, the the canning of uh, Cloutier there. So just interesting, I guess, uh, how a terrible, poor form of run can go against it. So uh, I'll give you, Alan, because you've been quiet for a little bit. Do you have any last uh, things to say on this? You've heard what all of us have had to say. I, I do I do want to say for those of you not watching the video portion or video format of this or the live stream is I saw Dylan nodding yes a couple times to some of the things I was saying on there. So I may have like convinced Dylan a little bit of why this may be a good thing or he may just be uh, understanding my point of view, which is sort of nice when you're trying to debate things. It's nice to know that the other person is at least willing to hear your side and sort of try to understand where you're coming from, which I appreciate then Dylan, if that's the case. Take that, Congress. Yes, I do not agree with you, but I also understand that, yeah, it's easiest just to fire the manager. Um, but what what's oh easiest well. isn't always right. Best. Or right. But, well, let, but let's, so let's get into it. We, we, so. we can look at the example and the product on the pitch and see what's happening here. I know it's a small sample size, but we'll get to this. Let's first talk about that last match for Coach Brayden Klutz here, the one that was like the final nail in the coffin for his coaching career with Orange County. And that's the match at home against Tacoma, a weird match, unexpected rain for the second half or the start of the second half and halftime. Uh, you know, I, I felt bad because again, I mentioned Alicia was at the match. She was doing, it was a girl, girl power night or whatever, however the club uh, branded that. And she was on the pitch with three other uh, leaders, you know, female leaders in, in business and whatnot. And, it just started raining right in the middle of that. And it, we were all like, oh my gosh. And then that second half, it was wet and crazy. But who would have expected the rain was sort of a precursor to what that evening was going to be in the second half, just sort of a gloomy, uh, dreary, uh, poor performance for Orange County. Let's talk about the match in general. Dylan, you were actually there in the, the Caroline Coalition uh, section. What was the experience like from start to finish for that match? Uh, and can you just take us through that range of emotions that you guys were going through over there? Yeah. Um, usually, I think the last time we got rained on at the stadium was 2018 in the opening Phoenix. match against Phoenix. And we scored like an 80, Alex Cronulla scored like an 80 something minute equalizer. And it was amazing. Um, some members didn't have their shirts on. Could not have been better. This time, not so great. Um, we just see, a, I mean, the cross that, or the corner that Tacoma scores off easily is is just so avoidable. Um, Ibra Merrill comes back into the side um, and, and just makes a, a mistake, um, comes out for a ball he shouldn't come out for right before this corner and um, kind of just whiffs at it, but just gets enough to send it out for a corner. They score on the immediate one. We just look disorganized. I mean, we can see like Kobe Henry and, and Rob Kiernan just not being able to sort it out and not being able to figure it out. And it looks like Tacoma was just happy to have, I don't know how much film they watched and figured let's just exploit this by throwing two, three players at the two of them at all times. Um, but it, it was enough. And then, I mean, 
we give up a just another stupid goal right before the half. And I mean, it was kind of if they didn't come out swinging within the first 15 minutes of the second half, it was never going to happen. So do you even count that third goal? I mean, we've conceded a lot of goals um, while chasing a match. And that's what we were doing here is you chase, you leave big, big gaps in defense. And that's a problem we've already had. And that's all it takes. I mean, it sucks. It was an infuriating performance. Uh, it was really disappointing. But that's, that's kind of how it goes. Before I um, ask... Alan and Brad, their thoughts on the match watching on the stream. Let me ask you, Dylan, because again, you were at the stadium. Did you notice the second half a club or a team that was disinterested in the match? Or did you see something different from what I saw uh, there from Counterline Coalition in the general admission area? Um, I saw some players who were still absolutely giving... I mean, Ben Mines like, went and nearly two-footed a kid because... You know, he had shoved them over a minute ago. Um, and that that was good to see. But, yeah, it, it wasn't the case elsewhere with some players on the pitch. And at some point, so I that, guess that's fine because you, your back's up against the wall and you probably feel like, well, nothing's gone right in this match. I mean, Ugo Coley has a chance late on and he just puts it wide and you're just going, well, okay. Like, that's, that's how tonight went. That's how tonight's going to go. Look at that header right on target, palmed away by the keeper. I think that happens twice. Um, your head drops once it's you know two nil three nil and you've got twenty minutes left to play. I mean, you got to sort it out yourself, or you just got to get through it. And it seems like they just try to get through it, but it's the same players that played you know at the weekend. So, so they ask you really quick, Alan, on this. You were probably watching this either live on the stream or you know later on. Who knows? Did you watch any of it, Alan? You did, right? I watched. It, and then I fell asleep watching it. Um, <laughs> I, I think a, there you go. Right there's an answer to all this. To do that, man. Uh, let me let me ask you. Let me ask you yeah. one question. I want you to answer, Alan, and then you can also give your thoughts on the match. We all know that Coach Brayden Cloutier is a pretty intense guy, especially when the team is not performing to his expectations. Is there any chance that he was a little too intense in the locker room at halftime, and that turned some of the players off, and hence you see a disorganized and sort of head down team in that second half? I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I know how intense Michael Orozco can be. And I think he was one of the ones that had kind of a pretty poor second half. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that's what would affect him, but who knows? Uh, but if you look at like, just statistically, if you, if you don't watch the match and you look at the statistics from the second half, Orange County had 60% possession, 12 total shots, two big chances. It wasn't like the team gave up offensively. I think they maybe gave up on the back end. Um, you know, watching the game, even though kind of nodding off in between, you heard Brian Olosky's name like 42 times. Um, it was hard for me to, to, I know based on some of the conversation that we had while the game was happening, that it felt like they had switched off. And I noticed it in some of like the highlights and some of the goals where guys were finding, you know, were losing their players. But also Tacoma is like sneaky good this year. And some of their guys are just good at really finding space. And their coaching staff has done a really good job of trying to exploit other teams' weaknesses. And sometimes uh, when you expect your team to play well and then they don't, 
And then Tacoma probably plays a little bit better and exploits some of those weaknesses and soft spots and, 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 and spaces on the pitch, like the second goal. Um, Kobe Henry drops deep. Um, the goal scorer, I don't have his name in front of me right now, just like checks back a little bit into this pocket of space. Like that's just a guy reading the game and moving and, and the defense not reacting to him. Um, I think three nil probably is a little unfair to Orange County in this match. Um, but, you know, I both of the teams that I, I have been following and doing this about have are kind of in the same spot right now where it just feels like you have to play a perfect match or you lose. Um, and Orange County, unfortunately, had a few mistakes and it really hurt them and they tried to come back and it just didn't happen. And sometimes that happens in matches where you just it just doesn't happen. And, you know, you have off nights and you have bad games. This seemed to be one of those. Brad, uh, up there in Reno, what were your uh, imp- your thoughts on this match? And what did you feel you saw coming from the players, the energy you saw on that stream? So, you know, watching that game, uh, you know, I think the only people other than Brian Olofsky, who I thought played a pretty okay game that night, the only other people in the stadium who were putting their all were the uh, fine folks in the County Line Coalition standing in the rain. Um, you know, Dylan disagrees with me clearly, but, but it was one of those games that was really, really hard to watch. Uh, honestly, stuff like, you know, we have players, Kobe Henry and Orozco kind of tripping over themselves or Austin tripping, tripping over themselves. And they were kind of guarding the same man and not covering, uh, overlapping runs or players that are that are getting open and it's just looked too easy for, uh, for Tacoma in a lot of those situations like the, uh, God, what is his name? Uh, Samuel, Ed- Edineron, uh, goal that was in the 44th minute, right before halftime. He just comes up to the top of the box and puts his arms out there and were, was just like, Hey, look at all this space. And he just gets an easy goal off of that. Um, outside of that, you know, it, it, it does remind me, I know Dylan sitting there like Brad doesn't know what this feels like as a Reno fan that he was spoiled with, uh, with Ian Russell up in Reno. And actually we've had games just like this. Uh, I remember very distinctively my first game as regular season game as a season ticket holder, uh, up in Reno, it was a snowy afternoon and they were playing against Colorado Springs and Colorado Springs scored four goals to Reno's zero. And it just seemed like Colorado Springs was more hungry for that fourth goal than Reno was for their first. And it was one of those games that it was just hard to watch that players looked defeated. They were apologetic. Um, and it was just really tough to watch. Um, so I do understand, you know, watching it. I had to turn the stream off right behind, right after that uh, third goal was scored. But Orange County did have their opportunities. It should have been a lot closer than three to zero. Um, I believe they had two headers that went in both offsides or two opportunities that were both in, but also both offsides. So could have been closer, but Tacoma brought their miserable weather down with them and took three points in that game. I know we should have all known once that drizzle started coming in that Tacoma was going to be able to take this because they're used to that. 
Uh, Alan, you had a uh, thought. It looked like you raised your finger to speak, so I'm going to yeah. go to you. Yeah, I know Andy King wrote in the comments seven of eight bad games in a row, though. I, I just wanted to mean, like, yes, they have been playing kind of poorly. I think this is the one where guys just didn't have it, and it really, like, it wasn't like they were going out against uh, Phoenix and playing a poor game. Uh, Los Dos always is a tough match, and Orange County had some really nice moments. They just happened to get beat. I think this is one of those ones where you're in a tough stretch and you guys just don't have it. And um, you can chalk it up to that because sometimes you get blown out when you don't expect to get blown out because guys are just not playing 100%. And so basically... What, and maybe that's what they saw and said, we need to get a new voice in the locker room, so let's get a new voice in the locker room and maybe this will shake things up and light a fire because we have a tough game on Saturday. So I sort of hear like, you know, because Orange County can't beat two teams all season, we shouldn't really blame them for a loss to Tacoma because that's just what happens every time we play a two-team ta- two this season. Um, but yeah, you you mentioned, you know, they had a tough game coming up, so let's make a change. They, they have this tough game, apparently, down the I-5 from Championship Soccer Stadium and a tough opponent in San Diego Loyal. Uh, it's interesting whenever now we have these matches with San Diego Loyal because you have to figure out where Allen's loyalty lies. And we all know that <laughs> that that lies with the loyal. Oh, um, so this will be fun because because <laughs> we have Dylan from Caroline Coalition. We have Allen from the locals. And are you official member of the locals, by the way, Allen? Uh, yes, I mean, like, do locals. you have your membership card that you can pull out right now and show us? No, it's on my keychain. Number is? Oh, okay. uh, member number but, uh, 34. <laughs> I do want to find out like sort of the atmosphere because both of y'all are at the stadium. I know there's this like famous video clip or, or, or picture or whatever of Dylan saving the leader of Caroline coalition from falling to his injury there at Torero stadium. Uh, and we know of course, Alan's world famous now for playing that, uh, that drum in the stands. Let me ask you guys this. It, it was really weird to see, but is it true they put both supporters groups basically right next to each other at that stadium? Is that is that in fact true, <laughs> Alan? Uh, yeah, this was on the Twitter machines. Um, there is no great place to put uh, a significant supporters group that comes into town. Um, and it's actually not a membership card. It is a mini scarf keychain, and you're jealous. Um, the... Uh, We've talked to kind of the front office about this as well. And the front sidelines are pretty much like sold out, especially a team like Orange County. You're going to, and on Saturday, uh, you're going to get for sure uh, that front side sold out. Uh, the away side, which is like right in front of where the, uh, the commentators sit, um, they're all individual seats, but they're not super deep. Um, so there's not a lot of place you have to spread them out pretty wide. Uh, and that's not great either. Uh, so there is only really one person um, on um, one spot in the stands that you can really put away fans. And maybe we've talked about this, too, is maybe you need some escort on the way in and escort on the way out or do like old school. There's like a row of people because let's be real in any other stadium. There are away fans sitting right next to home fans all of the time, even in soccer. 
So like, that's just the thing that happens. And when that happens, we need to be adults and not be a-holes to each other and want to like insert, uh, start fisticuffs or any type of shenanigans, um, on both sides. Um, but, uh, yeah, Russell, it, it's always surprising when an away fan fist bumps you at a home game. Uh, so, sorry I did not uh, recognize you. Um, I w- was just surprised that an Orange County fan wanted to uh, give me a fist bump. Uh, it was pleasantly surprising. I'm let me sorry. let me ask you, Dylan, your experience with this whole... Did you, did you partake in the bus down to San Diego, or did you get there yourself? No, I, I partook in the bus down. I had a wonderful, handsome Johnny... In the bus on the way down, it was delicious. That's a uh, vodka and ginger ale. If you're whoa, 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 Blaine told me that you guys are teetotalers, so he told me to spread yes. that word that no beverages were consumed on the way down. CLC consumed nor thrown. What's in this? Um, okay, yeah, no, it was it was a great time, and that's what happens when you support the supporters. Um, is you get to bring a, a big group down and it's a much better atmosphere and it's i mean i have no doubts that i mean i know they could hear us like we're not that far away um i have no doubts that having 30 40 people there makes it a better atmosphere and a better um time for the players and i i feel like that helped a lot and it was it was nice to be a fan and feel like the club loved us a little bit and and help us out there because, you know, I went down like a month and a half ago and it was on a Wednesday and that kind of sucked. I do want to point out that there were several San Diego people who were uh, very complimentary of the CLC in the uh, energy that they brought. And it was nice to see uh, a large group uh, and they were very uh, complimentary of the increased atmosphere that they provided for the game as well. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, away fans sit next to each other in most stadiums. Maybe it's just not a U.S. thing, but very, very common that there's a section in between. And usually they just line it with, like, police or security, um, and no one can sit in the middle so they can, you know, do stuff like throw flares and beers at each other. Um, and it makes it a little bit harder to break through two lines of people to get into a fight or hit each other with axes or whatever happened in Italy a few years ago. But, you know, I'm just glad that we can both accept that we live in, like, the two best places on the planet instead of... Um, needing to get to a pointless argument over nothing. Let me ask you this really quick, Alan, because on our comments, we got Russell saying that uh, the cotton candy vendor was not there. Was was there no cotton candy vendor at the stadium? And if that's the case, Alan, how dare they? Um, I, I believe that um, that is not in my job description for fair weather podcast to report on the food options. Um, that's usually Chris, but since he's never at the stadium, we don't get that report. Um, I apologize that there was no cotton candy. I believe the lemonade stand is pretty bomb. Uh, so if you miss out on cotton candy, there's always the lemons, lemonade stand and kettle corn, I think is another thing that happens. I don't know. So, um, you know, now that we're, we've gotten over this fandom portion of it, cause it was pretty cool. I'm going to go to you first, Brad, you get to be the first one that actually analyzes this match for, for our listeners. Uh, what did you see there with the new coaching assignment of Richard Chaplow as the interim uh, head coach for Orange County? What did you see on the pitch? And was it a step in the right direction for Orange County? Or did Orange County end up getting lucky to get a full three points in this match? 
to answer your first question with uh, Richard Chaplow in, it was definitely a step in the right direction, at least in my opinion. Um, you saw a lot of players, you know, fighting with a lot more grit in this game. Uh, you know, outside of uh, outside of the 64th to 66th minute, um, it was very, I don't know how to describe it other than uh, it looked like the team was sitting back and defending a lot more um, that we were kind of lucky not to give up more goals like that 16th minute Corey Herzog right in front of the goal um, that Rakowski saves. Um, I, I do think that we were messy uh, in transition that we were kind of playing a little shaky uh, very defensive mindedly and uh, on the counter attack we kind of weren't creating enough opportunities uh, however, the team definitely played with a lot more heart in this game, and they definitely stepped up when they needed to. And uh, mo most importantly with this game, they didn't allow any late goals in the half, um, no matter what the game threw at them. You know, nine and a half minutes of stoppage time is a lot of time. There were opportunities there, but the team always seemed to step up and uh, look a little bit more composed in that moment and i don't know if that's a uh, abraham romero over patrick Rakowski, or sorry the vice versa of that patrick Rakowski over abraham romero or if that's just uh more veteran players on the field with uh, kobe henry being off for most of this game i believe he came on late in the game there um but it definitely looked a lot more complete of a game than we're used to seeing so especially after a eight game skid with only five points. Let me go to you, Dylan, as the traveling fan out there, did you leave the stadium satisfied with the, not just the result and the full three points, but the product you saw on the pitch, or is there still some concerns and or frustrations from orange County that you saw there in San Diego? I mean, there's absolutely still concerns. Um, I wouldn't be, proud or thrilled with this uh sorry with this performance um i think you know this is what happens when the game isn't unreachable in the second half it's just a one goal deficit yeah they're gonna fight hard and then you know it only takes a couple minutes to make something happen and and we managed um happier with the result not necessarily the performance but i think um we did look more inclined and happier to just sit um sit back and and kind of compress in the box because lately we've been stretched out and then it just takes that one knockdown header and someone's like cool thanks there's three meters of space inside the six for me to just tap this one home instead it looks like we kind of just try to turtle as much as possible in front of the goal and when you're playing against a guy like charlie adams against guys like uh alejandro guido or guido or whatever it is it's probably not guido he's not italian and that's probably an offensive thing that i've now just said so apologies italians um like you do have to sit back and you do have to put people in front of the goal because otherwise they're just going to go top bins on you every single time um yikes not not my best um but we we managed and you know it's a big three points on the road to kind of stop the skid to maybe give Chaplow some confidence moving forward and to also, um, what is it? Preserve that 
tiebreaker. I don't know. Alan's got the the data on that one that I don't. Um, he can fill us in there. But that was a fun match, and I'm I'm glad that there wasn't too much vitriol. Someone, some dude who wears like a, a Peaky Blinders cap, who's in the locals, like tipped his cap to us at the end of the game while we we're on the bus. And I don't think he got like a very friendly gesture back in return. But in defense, <laughs> uh, the people who did that weren't very, very, very far from sober. So sorry. So let's get the opposing uh, fans point of view on this. And, and it's always interesting because Alan has his foot in the door for both teams, but I'm sure I, I know it's more on the loyal side. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on this match? And, yeah. you know, did Orange County deserve those full three points from from your point of view? Um, ugh. this was probably like the loss that like hurt the least. I actually felt like quite fine walking away. Um, after the game, uh, I got a little inside information that they were, um, bringing in Douglas Martinez that night, or they were going to release that soon, which they have since released. So I'm not spilling anything I'm not supposed to spill. Um, so I felt pretty good walking away. Um, I thought Orange County did exactly what they have done in the past in some games is just take advantage of the few opportunities they have. Um, they took advantage of a center back who was starting his first professional match and was far down the depth chart. Uh, you can look at both goals that were scored that were uh, essentially him getting beat. Uh, the first one by Domus, which, I mean, you got to tip your cap when an amazing goal scorer just does something brilliant like that. Uh, the second goal, he gets beat, he tries to recover, and he's the one who knocks it into the goal. Uh, you know, outside of that, I think San Diego's really happy with the way they played. Uh, they're obviously not happy with the result, uh, but they're happy with the way they played. Uh, 19 shots, uh, eight corner kicks. They had quite a few um, quite a few uh, opportunities to put the ball away, and they just haven't been. And, uh, you know, you asked Landon Donovan after the match, and he was like, you know, as the the process of the game, we're putting ourselves in the correct position to win matches. Um, we're going to get some people in. Augustine Williams is going to, I think, look pretty nice on this team. Douglas Martinez is going to look pretty nice on this team. And they play an exciting brand of soccer. Like, it was a very entertaining match. So at the end of the game, sometimes you lose entertaining matches. And this is, just happens to be one of them. Uh, I thought Orange County responded well. It was clearly an important win for them. Uh, they are one of the orange county is one of the best road teams in the usl right now so it's not surprising that they're getting these road, road results you just want them to transition that to get some home results as well um I, I think the players were pretty pissed off charlie adams was very 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 mad after the match as he he's not a very good he doesn't doesn't like losing uh so he was pretty critical of the play in the the, the box but you know orange county gets a ball that bounces around and finds a way in san diego gets some balls that bounce around um and they don't find their way in. And I think that's the biggest difference in this match. It's just both teams put themselves in a position to win. One team just happened to get the ball in the net where the points matter. So I think San Diego, while it's, you know, it's a loss that isn't great uh, with the home record that's been kind of not great lately. The, you know, the play on the pitch sounds great um, and or it looks great and we're hopeful uh, and for Orange County, they're continuing their road dominance. And it's it's clear that this win meant something. Um, what about the refereeing? Uh, so the drop ball situation is, I, we asked Landon Donovan about this after the match. That was the right, in, uh, right 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Use of the rule, a head injury in the box, and the ball is in the box. It's a drop ball for the goalkeeper. Um, you can, uh, there were some claims that maybe this was a little bit embellished and it wasn't really a head injury. Um, but, you know, the referee can't take that chance, right? If it's actual head injury, player safety is important. We've talked about that all the time. Player safety is the most important. And if Orozco is really injured, you know, I would want him to, you know, if this was a football, uh, the shoes on the other foot, I would want something done to make sure my player is safe. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things that the rule is kind of silly and I don't like it. Um, but it's the rule that was, it was, <laughs> sorry, what? what? Um, and the rule was applied correctly. And so you can't be mad if the referee actually applies the rule correctly. Now, all of the other shenanigans, it's up in the air, yellow cards, red cards, whatever. And I've said this on multiple podcasts. Sometimes you have to play better than a ref's mistake. You can't allow that to be the ultimate decider. And it's never the ultimate decider because San Diego had their chances. They just couldn't bury him. And so I, go ahead, Dylan. Orozco went down for a couple of minutes, but the ref gave them a lot more time than he was down, even with the plus five. Um, so like, you an know, extra like four really and a half minutes of time. Yeah, I, yeah, like, let's say he was down for three. They got an extra minute on top of that. Like they, they had the chance. It didn't, he didn't blow it at 95 and it was just like, huh, I suck at San Diego. You know, and it was, was against Orange County. So you blatantly, there was a blatant. It was against Orange County. So you know that there's a chance. There's a good chance for San Diego there. They yeah. didn't take advantage of it. And there was a blatantly missed yellow. Um, I think Tumi Moshabani got the yellow instead of, and he rode like two or three consecutive yellow card challenges and then immediately gets up and screams at the ref about how that better be a booking. Um, probably uses some different language <laughs> and immediately gets himself into the, the book. I, like, okay, I love like, that out there because I think I know because we were talking a little bit before the match about a Orange County player that probably should have received a second yellow card at some point. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was horrendous both ways. And to quote yeah. Charlie Adams, we just had to be better in the box. That's true for both teams. That's what made the difference. But it was yeah. very fun. I'll give you a last chance uh, to say something. Uh, I, I want to give I, us I was, a little bit of time to, to preview the, the upcoming match. So go I for it, I was Brad. so irritated uh, with with the refereeing this game. And the only consistent thing was he was consistently bad both ways. Um, you know, there were plenty of missed opportunities. Some players should have been given yellow cards. Some players should have been given a red card. Um However, you have to remain level-headed and know that if the referee is making mistakes both ways, even if it's against you, he's going to give you a card if you complain and start cursing at him. You know, uh, When we were against Oakland, they did the same thing, and the ref just easiest yellow card of his life. You know, It doesn't matter how, how bad he missed a call. If you're going to complain and curse at him, he's going to give you a yellow. He's going he's gonna to book you for it. Um, you know, I've kind of had time since since Saturday, and I was really hot after the game. I'm like, Orozco was only down for two minutes. How come, you know, we went into the 99th minute? Um, whatever. The the result stood. You know, if it didn't stand, I would probably be screaming and really upset. But it is what it is. Or like Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it, it perfectly is what it is. Um, I... I didn't like this ref, but he was bad both ways. So there's nothing you can really do about it. You have to be better than the refs, like Alan said. 
So um, let, I, I forgot to mention after the, the, the Tacoma talk, our, our prediction standings, I was the only one that got points off that Tacoma match. I got three points because I predicted that Orange County would score zero. And then from the San Diego match, there was actually two of you that got some points off that San Diego match. That is Brad and Dylan. Y'all got the full 10 points on that because y'all oh, both predicted 2-1. See, I score. thought I wasn't going to get any points, and you guys were going to fire me because it had been a bad couple weeks. Ooh, I mean, everybody's no, had no, like a bad kidding. couple weeks. Everyone, but it's it's it's. But I mean, in the end, right? I'm the one with 32 points, and I'm sort of, I guess, the head coach of this podcast. So just please don't get oh, rid of me, Jamora. Please, hashtag Jamora. Out. out here we are. Hey, I, I think uh, you can ask Alan. I don't think anyone wants this role of producing and hosting this show. Uh, you know, oh, Alan wants it. I'll hand it I'll, off to you, Alan. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the person that just talks like you all and and says dumb if, things if, um, throughout the episode. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if one of us has to take it over, I'll, I'll, I'll take the short straw. I love data. It can't be dumb when I take all of my data from um, Superfan Andy. Oh, and Ray, Ray, <laughs> you were incorrect. I also got points from the San Diego match because I predicted you got three points. You did get three points. I was just, I was giving props. I was giving props to Brad and Dylan because they got the full 10 points for predicting the correct scoreline on that match and the correct winners. Uh, let's talk about this. I, I think every USL fan for the longest time has said, we need these cross-conference matches, and this season it's happening uh, more. I think every team at least got one cross-conference match, if I can remember correctly. Orange County got a cross-conference match against Charleston Battery, which may be one of the furthest ones you can take, and it's not the easiest place to get to uh, by plane, I don't think unless there is an easy way who knows but let's talk about this really quick are we excited to be traveling to charleston and dylan allen brad have any of you bought tickets to go out to this match uh dylan first sorry you look was scared. It? no i did not buy tickets um why not you're you're, you're super fan dylan and yeah. apparently i i want to say someone I, I think it was russell dylan. that stated like that it. uh Russell stated that there's like round trip for like $311 through JetBlue. Hey, he just posted it right now. $311 nonstop LAX to Charleston. Just want to say the last time that I flew JetBlue to an away match for Orange County, they, um, hmm. well, they lost 6-2. So maybe it was my fault. Um, certainly not any of the players on the pitch will blame uh, me for that one. Oh, yeah. Um. Brad came in with the math on that one. I thought uh, Red Bulls 2 would be the furthest. It would be Hartford, Connecticut, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, still a very far trip for the players. Hartford's kind of boomer bust. They don't have a draw in the last month. <laughs> um, it's win or lose. Um, and a good amount of scoring, too. Uh, so it's going to be a long... It's going to be a long trip for the team. I... Don't see this match going particularly well. We look at what Phoenix did against a much, much worse um, Charlotte Independence side. Flying economy across the... Yeah, flying economy across the uh, country is is a big ask for these guys. So... Can I, can I, can I just say, ask really quick, because for those of you not watching on the live stream or our video... Uh, we had Russell post out there. There's a good flight out of SNA on Delta for 450. Uh, let me al ask you, Alan, your thoughts on, is there ever a good flight on Delta? And what's your thoughts on this Charleston match? Uh, <laughs> Hopefully Delta is not a sponsor for Fairweather Pod. 
Or like uh, Delta it's, variant. It's, it's not, but yeah, let's avoid Delta at all costs. Um, I, I, this was one of the games that I was super excited about because this is like old school USL matchups. Um, I hope that there's some sort of like throwback shenanigans happening this weekend. Uh, Charleston has the same record as Charlotte currently, um, and, but they're clearly not the Charleston of old. I think if it was a couple of years ago, this would have been like a definite marquee matchup. Orange County kind of at the height of their um, and versus Charlotte at kind of their Charleston at the height of theirs. But this is one of those old school matchups, and I am all of, I'm all about it. Um, and it's an East Coast match. Uh, this is old school USL East versus West. This is everything USL fans would want. Um, and while traveling East, I know travel does have uh, a nasty effect. Orange County is great away from home. Uh, so this is going to match up a, um, a decent home team in Charleston. Um, they're five, two and two at home with a plus five goal differential um, against, you know, a really strong traveling team in Orange County who is six, two and three on the road with a seven, nope, eight goal differential. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I probably won't get to watch this one. Actually, I might be able to watch this one live because San Diego is also on the road. Uh, so I will probably be tuning into this one live and I cannot wait. Uh, it should be a fun, fun little shenanigans and travel back to uh, the East Coast um, where Charleston just beat Baby Bulls too, which isn't saying a whole lot. Uh, let's see if I recognize any of these names. Um, I do not. Uh, so <laughs> I can't even tell you a, a, a player to look out for because uh, I don't really know the East Coast of USL very well. The one with I the want to go to Brad really quick. is Zaydel Lewis. Yeah. So look out for him. And that's probably not how you say it. Uh, I'm going to go to you, Brad, and I want to get your thoughts on this match. And then also because I think it was – Alan said something like it would be nice to see a little bit of a throwback or maybe that was Dylan who knows, or it's nice to have this throwback type match. Um, you know, orange County tweeted out uh, a few weeks ago or a week ago about potential throwback kits. Uh, is this a potentially a game where we see the unveiling of a kit like this, Brad? And what are your thoughts on orange County traveling out to the East coast to face Charleston? Um, I mean, I think the kit's really cool. Uh, Charleston is in, still in playoff contention. They're t- technically tied in points for fourth through sixth um, with Hartford and Charlotte. Um, they're in a very tough conference with Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay kind of just leading the way there like they always do. Um, and Miami also having a good second season in the USL. Um, honestly, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I wish we had a I Charleston. Think we all do. I think we had a Charleston uh, person come on and join the podcast at twelve thirty at night, their time, eleven thirty, starting off. Um, but who knows what to expect? This will just be a good old fashioned, you know, throwback to the good old days. Um, let's let's all vote really quick. Do do we think we see those those? Kits that were recently teased. Uh, is that is this the match we see those, Dylan? Uh, you're shaking your head. Yes, it looks like. No, no, no. We're not going to give those pally blue jerseys. Oh, okay. No, um, but we're good. We have to wear blue here. I mean, we have to change the score bug. Put OCB on there. Like, just lean into it. Why not? 
Like Alan we'll just said, put, it's we'll the put LA of USL. on there, right? Because wasn't it originally LA Blues? If you're trying to go throwback, you know, I mean, I you, hey, you're saying throwback. I mean, really, this is a this game is a reference to the original, some of the original clubs in the league, which was LA Blues at the time. Let, let's save time on it. The league some more should totally man, just for that line. T- Tampa Bay should totally lean into this. The headquarters that USL and Tampa Bay need to lean into anything that's nostalgic because nostalgia sells. And I don't think it we does. need to discuss that any further. It does. And okay. It does, so let's and it just... doesn't it doesn't exist in the USL because there's not a huge lot of history. So when you have those opportunities, yeah. knock it out of the park. Okay, let's do this. Uh because we, we're we're way over our time now. Let's get our predictions for this match and then we'll wrap things up. I'm gonna go as I always, in order what we have on our sheet. So that means Alan gets to go first. Your predictions. Remember, Orange County score first against Charleston. 1-1 one, one draw. Brad. 2-1 win. 2-1 win. <laughs> uh, Dylan. 2-1 Orange County. Uh, just Dylan stealing just, my picks for his second well, week. He knows you're the one, only one that really has a legitimate chance of catching him. So if he just picks the same no, thing no, as you no. do as every week. As soon as I said 2 1, he, he did have that like look of, oh no, he stole it again, even though I went first. And Alan and I always steal each other's picks. So it's about time Dylan and I get on each other's picks. Well, right, no, my prediction for this one. I do my prediction, Dylan. Can I do my prediction? No, you're out of the podcast. Okay, I'm out. My prediction is 3 2 Orange County. Random thought time, uh, everyone. We're gonna go. We'll go to Brad first. I'll let you do yours first, Brad. What's your random thought? I always mispronounce their team, but Joshua Sargent had a really good game today uh, for Norwich City in the EFL Carabao Cup, one of the most prestigious cups in all of British soccer. Uh, have you Have you ever tried one of those energy drinks? By the way, Brad. I have not, but I also haven't uh, tried Aaron Brew, which I should have totally uh, ran onto the field when I was down in Orange County for Scotland night to grab one. Maybe what we'll do for a future episode is we'll order, uh, each of us can order, we'll get it shipped to our house, uh, a Carabao energy drink, and we will drink it at the beginning of our episode and see if we survive to the end of the episode. And then maybe we can tweet out what time we fall asleep. Uh, Alan, your random thought for tonight. I love naps. Yay. All right, Dylan, how about you? Well, I hate to bring the vibe down. Um, We like to complain about refereeing a lot on this podcast. But there are ways that refereeing can get better. Um, And it's not the, well, if you just want it, maybe you should be a ref. Um, Because ultimately, there's no real training. And it's not a computer. It's not VAR. It's not. um, No, it is a group of referees coming together and saying, hey, we want better pay and we want um, better training so that we can make better calls and be a little bit more professional. As the leagues grow, refereeing really hasn't. And so the Professional Soccer Referees Association um, is trying to become the official union of, I think they're called Pro 2, and that's USL and NWSL level um, referees. They're trying to get the best in. So, you know, Maybe they make terrible calls uh, on Saturday nights or on Wednesday nights or anytime we play, but they're trying to get better. Um, so good luck to the PSRA. And well, if you want to complain about pro, this is a great reason to do it. Also, yes, Alan, yeah, unions. 
<laughs> why doesn't the I was NWSL say, have top tier refs? I don't want to answer that on this podcast because who knows? Because we hate women. Hug your local ref. I Whoa. don't think they want that. <laughs> having had to have hugged said person, That's a it's a little word. aggressive. For those not not for those listening to the podcast, Dylan was just responding to a question that came from one of our live listeners uh, asking or or quoting, "Hug your local ref." So that's what Dylan's response was. Uh, for my random thought, it's actually not going to be a random thought. It's going to be a random question. It's going to be directed over to Alan. I'm going to pull up something I f- that was on social media. I'm not going to show who posted it because I don't know if what their thoughts are, but they can claim it if they want to on the chats. Um, here's the question to you. Name a player with a more punchable face than Corey Herzog. And and there's an image of him there to, to let everyone see exactly. Is there, Alan, is there a more punchable face in the USL than Corey Herzog? Uh, I can't answer that question because um, I don't want to be mean to another player. Um, but I my response to this was Corey Herzog is like the great... Uh, former duck player Corey Perry where you hate him when he's not on your team but you love him when he is on your team like off the pitch he's super nice super engaging his daughter is absolutely adorable and gets chocolate milk at the end of every game uh so i understand the vitriol toward Corey Perry cuz he is a little bit of what's the word i'm Corey looking Hertzog. for Corey Hertzog sorry uh um Broken Maybe it's just glass. the name. Maybe if you have the name Corey, you're just you have a right. Don't name your kid Corey. Uh, broken glass and sandpaper um, to opposing fans, and I get that it's he's not lovable, uh, but I think that's just the way he plays the game. And when he's on your team, you love that edge, and when you're against him, you probably feel like you want to punch him. Can I just ask too? Like, why does he still have like a '90s style hair do um, with the almost looks like he has like the, almost going for like the frosted. Are you, body sh- are you body shaming him? Yes, he is. I'm just wondering, like, does he know that it's 2021 trying, and not We're trying to buy tickets to 311 tomorrow, so I don't get to talk. <laughs> okay. So, so as long, hey, at least it's not crazy town, though, Alan. At least it's not crazy town. Um, Brad, did you have a yes. final thought really quick on that? Yes, I did about this. It's directly related to Corey Herzog since he did spend a lot of time in Reno. Um, Corey Herzog is the funniest man to ever drive a minivan uh against orange county one of the times i visited uh we were just driving outside the stadium and Corey herzog pulls up next to us rolls down the window and starts a drag race i believe i was in dylan's car at this time was your hair cut at this time uh prior to losing it was prior, prior to you, you were in Deej's car not that anyone's listening to this but yeah memories memories rest in peace reno 1868 yes Perfect. Well, this is a perfect way to wrap up this episode. It's been a fun episode. It's been a lot to talk about. That's why I went slightly over what we normally like to do. Uh, But I appreciate each and every one of you, uh, Dylan, Alan, Brad, for uh, hanging out and doing this and all the listeners that uh, decided to (laughs) listen. This should be the new chant, the away chant. Whenever Corey Herzog plays, any away fan should just start chanting uh, a crazy town song because he totally looks like the lead singer from crazy town. Um, so uh, I want to thank our listeners for listening at all times. Uh, for anyone that wants to listen to any of our previous episodes, go to our website, OCSEpodcast.com to listen to all of our episodes that we have there or find us on any of your favorite 
podcast providers. Um, you've heard all of our social media stuff before, so I'm not going to uh, spend another 30 seconds for everyone giving it. If you want to find us, go ahead and just search for us. Uh, but you can follow the podcast on social media on Twitter at OCSC, OCSC underscore SoccerCast. I can't remember now. Am I getting it right, Dylan? Let me know. Uh, if not, just look for us. Find us. Alan, <laughs> I was like, yes, I could do a better job than this guy right here. Or I think Alan just wants to go eat. Uh, for Dylan, for Alan, for Brad, this is Ray, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh.